Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends, and welcome to Catitude. It's a Friday, and you know what that means. It's going to be one of those crazy, wonderful, fabulous shows. And, you know, today we're going to talk about our cats, of course. What else will we talk about? But we're going to talk about how we can get them to exercise. I was so interested in Friday, and I should introduce myself. Most of you know who I am. I'm your show host, Michelle Byrne. Now, stay tuned after this break, and we're going to be right back. Listen up, cat lovers. If you're planning a vacation, you need to hear about trusted house sitters. They connect pet parents with verified and background checked sitters. So you can travel worry-free knowing your fur baby has all the care and company they could need. I love this. I can't stand the thought of my pets being lonely or being in a kennel. So I can't wait to sign up. Catitude listeners, you get 20% off today with code CATITUDE20. That's CATITUDE20. Go to TrustedHouseSitters.com and use the code CATITUDE20 for 20% off. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. everybody. I'd like to welcome Dr. Julie Sanders. She's a veterinarian with a specialty in pet exercise. Welcome, Dr. Julie. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a veterinarian and I am a proud graduate of Virginia, Maryland School of Veterinary Medicine, which is at housed at Virginia Tech. And I have a background in emergency medicine and general practice. And I personally used to compete in powerlifting. So I'm a bit of a exercise fanatic myself. And I have to be honest, I am what we call a reformed dog person. That means I grew up with cats and dogs, but was sort of my first love was dogs until I acquired a cat by marriage. And like many vets, I'm unable to do anything half-heartedly. So I have embraced cat stewardship. You don't own your cat. Your cat owns you. Wholeheartedly determined to be the best possible cat steward I can. And he has taught me many things. So I call myself a reformed dog person and have embraced being a cat person wholeheartedly now. He has taught me many things and um, it's been a fun journey. We have something in common because I grew up with dogs too. And then my first cat actually opened the door and Dennis walked in. So, and that started the whole thing. So exactly, it it only takes one. (laughs) And then you keep adding on. How many do you have now? We currently have one cat because he's a rescue and he does not like other cats. So we are a single cat household, but don't you worry. He is a very spoiled cat. And we, we look with longing for an addition all the time. Well, I have a cat that I think she would prefer being by herself, but it's too bad. Sorry, Molly. Anyway, let's talk about exercising with your cat. This almost sounds like, you know, I can't think of the word for it, of course, conundrum. I don't know. Something like like snow in Florida. It doesn't happen. Exercise your cat. Cats like to sleep. That's what they're known for. They're not known for moving. Some cats you could walk, but it's really hard to walk them. 
So that's a challenge for most of us cat people. How do you get your cats to move? Right. Well, let's be honest. A lot of people don't enjoy exercising either, right? True. So, <laughs> well, you can motivate your cat maybe with food on the end of the line, maybe with some people too, who knows? But Right, exactly. So what I like to say is there are two categories of exercise. I, I, active, which is what most people think of. That's where you engage with your cat with toys of any variety and get them to move, right? And sometimes that's very successful, but it's also important to recognize that's not the only way to get your cat to move. And while my cat loves playtime, that doesn't work for every cat. And what's more important is that we can, what sometimes is better for cats is something I like to consider passive exercise or environmental enrichment. How do we create an environment that encourages them to move maybe just a little bit more than they would on their own, right? And so zoos do this for their animal enclosures all the time. And if you think of your house as an enclosure, how do I make this the very best cat zoo I can? We can often encourage cats to move by changing the way we set up their lives. Do they have a cat tree? Have we made a perch or multiple perches by a window that we know they like to sit and look out that window? Can I get two or three perches up the window that now encourages them to go up and down on different levels. You know, they're not thinking about exercising, but now we've sort of added steps to their days. So in people, sometimes they go, it's small changes to your habits to get you to move more, right? Instead of starting out on a journey of 10,000 steps a day, you go, you know, I'm just going to park at the end of the parking lot and walk the length of the parking lot into work. If you haven't exercised that much before, that small change can be very dramatic in your life. And so for cats, it's really important. I have to admit, my cat hates my choice of toys. My mother, so grandma has the best choice in toys. It really, it's very sad. He loves cat chasers. He will actually come get people and paw you to get you and bring you the cat chaser to get you to play for him and to like move the toy on the stick so that he can pounce at it. But no matter which one I pick out, he doesn't like that one. Now, if my mom, if grandma purchases a cat toy, he will instantly love it. And that will be his favorite until the next one she picks out. So it's really important to remember, you can't have an ego with a cat because they like what they like. And my cat doesn't like what I like. So I let others choose. I like him choose. So like there are many different ways to engage with your cat. Some are active, meaning picking out toys and be prepared to fail, right? She might like that toy. The ones you think are visually spectacular, they sort of look at you and say, eh, your taste stinks. And it's okay. That's sort of a cat thing is to be disdainful of you from time to time. And you just have to roll with it and go, I'll try again. And then take that toy to the shelter and donate it to some other kitty because some other kitty will love it. It's just not that kitty's dream, right? So it's important to recognize you may be able to have active play with your cat, which is fun for us and fun for them and creates that bond. But you might have a cat that doesn't love play. And so we might encourage them by getting puzzle feeders and giving half of their normal food in their dish, but hiding the other bit of their food in puzzle feeders throughout the house to hunt and seek and find and pounce on prey, you know. So Dr. Julie, so, okay, so I get what you're saying. Some cats will definitely engage and you could really exercise with them with maybe one of those balls with the little noise makers and bells inside or those, um, I call them the finger things <laughs> that you flip around and they play with right. and they kind of look like Chinese finger traps, right? Isn't that what it's yes. called? And, and yeah. I don't know any other way to describe them, but you flip them and they just bounce around. 
And that'll work a little bit, but I get what you're saying because the idea of exercise is maybe jumping up two things for a cat tree. Whereas if you're thinking, oh, I should exercise my cat. For most of us, you would think, okay, we need to make sure the cat walks up and down the house or all over the place or whatever. And that's that's just not going to be. Right. Is there physiological makeup in tune for just not moving that much? Not at all. And I actually, like, we have to talk about the elephant in the room that the vast majority of our pet cats are overweight. And yes. the sad the sad piece of this is that actually makes it harder for them to move and play. So I'm going to say that my cat by my military, I'm a veterinarian. So of course I calculated his calories and made sure he only eats a certain amount and it's spread into multiple small meals. And of course he has puzzle toys that are hidden throughout the house. So he has to go forage for some of his food, not all of his food. But if you're not starting with a lean, healthy weight cat, you know, think about how it is for a person that's 40% overweight to exercise, they're not going to go run a marathon. They're going to start by walking a few blocks, right? And so the cats that if you're starting with a lean, healthy weight cat from kittenhood, my cat is six and he loves to play. He seeks us out for play frequently, multiple times a day, um, both with toys. And he does the little skippity paps with my husband because that's just how they play. And they have, it's important to recognize he has different preferences. For me, he's like, you're the toy lady. I will bring you the toy. You will play with the toy. For my husband, he loves to, to like pat with their hands and wrestle and, you know, doesn't leave a mark on him because it's clearly a play behavior, but there are different preferences with different people in the household, right? That skippity pat playing that you'll see all over TikTok and Instagram is not ever safe for everyone to do. So, you know, it's not my favorite form of play, but some cats quite like it. And so it may be the right thing for you and your cat. You have to sort of feel out if that's a working relationship you have. But I don't think cats are inherently lazy. They do sleep more, but they're more of um, they're more of a sprinting athlete where they nap and run and nap and run. So what we think of is, you know, when we go to the gym, we may be there for an hour. Your cat wants about a very short session. They want to stalk and pounce and pap around a little bit and then go nap again. Right. And that's okay. It's just different than what we think of. We think I'm going to go to the gym, knock out 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes on a bike, and then I'm done. Your cat may need multiple activities throughout the day and they don't all have to involve you. Right. So it's really important to talk to someone like your vet about where you're starting from. If your cat has an underlying health condition that may make them not want to be as active. And until you address it, it may not be comfortable for them to play. And, you know, the thing is playing can help them lose the weight. So it's really important, but we also need to make it comfortable for them to play until they lose some of that weight. And the sad thing is people tell me all the time, what can I buy? What medicine should I give? What food should I feed? What supplement do I need to give my cat so it can live the longest life possible? Because chubby or not, and by the way, they're adorable, even when they're chubby, it's just yeah. not great for them. <laughs> and listen, sometimes the fat cats are the cutest and you're like, I really need you to lose weight, but it's not because you're not adorable. The sad thing is there was a great research study done with hundreds of animals that the single most important factor in longevity and reducing the onset of hereditary and clinical disease is being a lean or healthy weight, right? So the number one thing we can do for our pets is just to not have them be fat. That will make them healthier for longer and live longer up to two years, right? Wow. And so this is a piece of that puzzle. Okay. I have a question for you, even though we're not talking about weight and all that stuff with cats. 
What about, you know, you hear, I know, understand about, you know, cats foraging, they're predatory. So that makes that a lot of fun. But what if you are giving your cats low calorie treats, but even that could be too much, right? It could be. It depends. It's like treats should make up 10% or less of your diet. But if you're giving them an extra 10 calories in treat, but it causes them to move and they expend 20 calories, that's a good investment, right? (laughs) That's a net loss. So for me, because we have things like pet treats, occasionally I'll put one or two little treats in a different place in the house, but my cat doesn't, he'll accidentally find them one day, but it will trigger a little center in his brain to go, maybe I should go check the whole house to see if there are others. And so I may not see the resultant activity, But by leaving a singular treat in the house, and when I see that it's gone, leaving a new one somewhere else, I am creating an activity of foraging when I'm not home. And it's really important. You don't want your cat to starve, right? So some people get really gung-ho and you'll say, I'm going to feed my cat by puzzle feeders only. And so you stop giving them the regular meal and you fill up these puzzle feeders and you hide them in the house and your cat doesn't eat. We don't like it when cats don't eat. They definitely should not stop eating. (laughs) Of course. That's a bad thing. That could be unhealthy, right? But so it's really important to say, if you're going to do some puzzle feeding, it shouldn't be the main source of all their calories until you've taught them to do that, right? And in fact, they do have a natural instinct to hunt and pray for food. But someone did a study recently that showed that cats inherently prefer to be built bull fed. And I thought, you know, isn't that interesting? But if I do like I'm a person and I like to go to a restaurant and people make the food and bring it to me, how delightful is that? Of course, your cat prefers for the food to be delivered to them on their terms. I prefer that also, but it's not always going to happen. And it doesn't mean it's healthy, right? So it's important to recognize life. Healthy life is really a mixture of preferences and needs, right? I prefer for people to make my food and bring it to me, but that's not always healthy. So we need to deliver food to our cat at a baseline level every day. But if we encourage them that there might be higher value things hidden throughout the house, meaning their favorite treats, then they can go looking for those. And we create that foraging behavior that sometimes it might take place when you're at work, so you don't see it. But if you've only hidden three treats and you go see where you've hidden them and they're gone, we know that your cat has moved around and I and mean, that's an important part too. If you're going to use the hiding things and foraging technique, you want to go back and make sure that they get eaten. Because if they're not getting eaten, we don't want you to end up with, you know, a pest control problem. Exactly. So it's important to kind of check. And then we're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back. As a pet parent to a dog and a cat, you're going to run into some catastrophes. Your dog eating up the cat's food or scavenging in the litter box is one of them. With DoorBuddy, you don't have to worry about cutting a hole in your door or struggling with a pet gate. DoorBuddy's adjustable door strap installs in seconds and without any tools. Finally, an easier way to let cats into rooms and keep dogs out of trouble. For 20% off DoorBuddy, use code CATITUDE20. That's CATITUDE20 at thedoorbuddy.com. That's thedoorbuddy.com. Give your cat back its space today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Dr. Julie about 
exercise for your cats. So you've hit on some really interesting points to get your cat moving. What our goals are for us two-leggeds for moving is not the same that it should be for our fur babes. And it's different, way different for cats than it is for dogs. What about time of day? Because it seems like cats... I know they're nocturnal, but they also get used to your lifestyle. And most of us are not nocturnal. So during the day, they seem to sleep a lot. Is there a special time of day where cats are more active or it just depends? Like when they feel like moving. The best time is when you can fit it into your lifestyle, right? But if you have problems with your cat waking you up every night, then the best time might be to squeeze it in right before bed. So they get that burst of energy out and then have hours of um, quick exertion and then nap, quick exertion and a nap. So if you can manipulate that behavior, um, we have a routine in our household. I like to play with the cat chaser. You know, that's the stick with the toy attached to the end of the string. I will play with the cat chaser right before we go upstairs to go to bed. And after this game, when my husband and I go up to bed at night, the cat will actually dart up the stairs ahead of us and he'll ignore me as I walk by because I am not what he wants. But my husband will pause at the top of the steps and hide below the first step and they will play the hand skippity paps where they pap at each other very friendly before bed for a few minutes. And I think, by the way, my husband gets equal joy from this as um, as my cat does. And by the way, it's quite fun to watch, right? But they have this routine of fighting with each other before bed. And it's it's very cordial, you know, it's play fighting, but he gets this burst of energy out. I tire him out with cat chaser. He has that human animal bond with my husband. They, they play fight before bed and then he'll tuck in right up on, you know, on our legs or on Jason's chest and just like sleep with us for the night. Now, as soon as the alarm goes off, he wants to be fed, understandably, but that is enough to stimulate him and get enough activity out of him that he will then sleep through the night. And so sometimes that is in the late evening, you know, at night. So it's within his peak source of, I want to be up, but also right before we say, Hey, we want to settle down. And so it's pairing the pieces where those natural rhythms overlap to our advantage, right? You have to be a little bit crafty about meeting your needs and meeting your cat's needs. And sometimes it's a compromise and sometimes it's a delightful match, right? And this time it's a delightful match. Of course. How do you know if you're overdoing it with your cats? I mean, I once saw the cat chaser toy, but one of the kids attached it to the door and he couldn't reach it. So he kept jumping up and jumping up. And it was the first and only time I've ever seen a cat pant. So, I mean, obviously, if your cat pants, then, you know, it's a little bit too much for him, most likely. But what are other signs that you might be overdoing it with your cat? Or can you even overdo it with your cat? Maybe internally, they have a no, I am done button better than, you know, humans do. Now, I mean, there may be the rare cat that has self-control, right? Or the cat that just doesn't like exercise so much that we're always kind of enticing them to interact in a physical nature so that they always want to be off. But that's rare. Much like people, if you really find the thing they love, they are capable of overdoing it. So it's good to have safety guidelines. So yes, if your cat is panting with their mouth open, that's not natural. Cats are not supposed to pant like that to recover like dogs do. And so that, that's a warning sign that we need to stop. And if your pant, cat does not cease panting inside of two to five minutes, then you know maybe you should reach out for veterinary care because that could be a warning sign that maybe they have asthma or, or an underlying heart condition, which cats are notorious for having a heart condition, but absolutely no signs of it outwardly, including no murmur. 
So if your cat continues to pant beyond a short period of time, that's a sign that we need to, you know, tag in a professional and get them some help in the short term, right? So I would say most cat play sessions should only be a few minutes, unless you've been doing this for a long term and you know that they've worked up an endurance level, much like people, you know, you start with a half mile, then a mile, then two miles. So maybe your cat has worked up to 10 minutes of intense play. But for the most part, it's one or two minutes at a time working up to three to five minutes. And my cat doesn't really have interest in much more than five minutes of play because he's tired and you can kind of tell. So things like if they're actively chasing the toy, but then they're just batting at it half-heartedly, that might be a sign that they're tired, right? And it's always important if you quit when you're ahead, you leave them wanting more. And so they look forward to that next session. You might, I have to ask, I have to mention something. I'm glad you said something about one or two minutes, three minutes, because I think that is going to alleviate a lot of guilt from cat cat parents out there because I could keep my cat entertained for a couple minutes back and forth. And I also want to mention, because this, we're not talking about cat toys on this show, but there's a lot of things you could even make cats. They're tricked by anything, a plastic bag on the floor. If you take paper and crumple it up, or you have a piece of paper that's already crumpled, your cat will chase after it. They love that stuff. It's just crazy what they love. But I always felt guilty. Oh, he's only moving for three minutes. What kind of mom am I? I'm not exercising him. I'm not exercising her. I'm doing this wrong. But hearing it in that time frame from yourself, Dr. Julie, makes me feel like, okay, I'm getting him moving. It's okay that it's only a couple of minutes. I guess the goal would be instead of once a day or twice a day, two minutes, try to build it up to four times a day or, you know, more routinely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're doing a great job. If your cat will engage and play with you for two minutes, you are winning. And then it's, can I engage them in playing with me? for two minutes, twice a day, and then three times a day. And if you've gotten to four times a day or more, your cat is fully exercising. You're a superstar, right? Two or three times of one to two minutes a day is lots of physical activity. It's also important to remember that cats sort of play with their whole body. If you're doing a cat chaser toy or, you know, I love this toy, but my cat does not. They make these gloves with long fingers and then pom-poms or bells at the end. I think that that's the most wonderfully stimulating thing in the world. And my cat just looks at me like I'm crazy. But if you're using one of those interactive (laughs) toys and they're engaged in it, you think about the way they play. They stalk, they run, they chase, they pounce. That's a lot harder than, say, just using your legs on a bike, right? So if you equate that, you know, to human activity, it's a little bit more all body. And so, you know, it's understandable that that might be shorter bursts, but more of the shorter bursts. So if you're currently getting your cat to play for 60 seconds a day, good job. Your goal would be to try to get them to do that twice a day or three times a day, right? And then when you get three times a day, maybe you can get them to engage for 90 seconds. I'm so glad you mentioned toys because it's important to mention that variety is the spice of life. And while every cat is an individual, my cat definitely has favorite toys. There are some days he doesn't want to play with his favorite toy. And I can make it exciting again by taking it away for three days and then bringing it back out. It's important that novelty wears off after three to five days. And so they may love a a toy. And then you're like, why won't they play with me? Get a new toy and take that one they loved and and put it where they can't see it for a week or so. And then bring it back out. Does that re-engage them? Because they do like novelty and they do like variety. 
And so if we are having success and suddenly we have a setback, it's important to to think, oh, do I need to change up my game plan? I will admit my cat loves that one particular cat chaser more than any other. And that's a rarity. And I'm so lucky that he does. (laughs) That's yeah, you are because I've had four of those and they all, I think Dennis was interested for like five minutes and then he's like, no, I know how this works. And there's a cat toy with a ball in it that goes around. I think my grandson found more fascination with it than my cats ever did. So, you know, you're right about keeping things hidden, bringing them out and not overstimulating them. You also mentioned that cats exercise by themselves. And in my research, you had also mentioned about like yoga. I know cats do their own cat yoga by themselves because they're always twisting their bodies up. If you don't see that your cat is maybe moving in that direction, can you help him? Or is it just, no, don't even go there. There's a great book out there. People think cats are trainable. They just have a different approach, right? But yes, you could help them. But I think if your cat's resistant, if you don't see your cat stretching on their own, then it's kind of important. Do they maybe have arthritis? I think because we don't see when our cats are moving, we often miss things like, oh, they have arthritis. It's highly underdiagnosed in cats. And there are lots of things we can do to help them. But but we need to know that there's something that maybe is inhibiting their desire to move because it's uncomfortable. And that's something that you would you know, take them to the vet, check it out. If you're going to a cat-friendly practice, they're going to have cat shelves where they see does your cat want to even get up to that place where they should naturally want to go? Can your cat walk around with a normal gait? How does your cat lay when it's resting? It's like some of these things, these changes that happen to our cats when they suffer from something chronic like arthritis, admittedly, you're not bad pet parents for not knowing. They're slow, gradual changes over time. And so you're not going to notice the incremental change at home. But if your vet hasn't seen them in six months and goes, hmm, they're sitting differently than when I saw them last, that's a sign that maybe the way they're supposed to sit isn't comfortable and they're adapting. And you have seen the gradual transition to that. So of course you didn't notice it. You got to give yourself a break here. You can't notice everything. And it's especially hard to notice change when it's incremental over time. Whereas if I see them three weeks from now and they've lost a pound, I will be like, wow, that they look dramatically different because I didn't see the in-between stages. Right. And so I think we need to give ourselves a break as cat owners, have a trusted professional in your relationship to help you with those changes because you can't possibly see it all. That's not your job. Your job is to, to notice what you can notice and ask for help on those things when you, you shouldn't necessarily be tuned into that. And, but that's not most of us. Right. And we need to give ourselves a break that we can't notice every single change. And that's why it's good to engage someone else on a regular basis to do that regular checkup and see what has changed, if anything. And what what of what of that is good? Because not all change is bad, right? Sometimes your pet has lost a pound and good job to you because you've been making them play. So you sort of need that other set of eyes to look for the changes that you're missing. But if your cat is not doing yoga, yes, you can train them to stretch with treats and approximation of poses. And that's a very complex sequence of activities that you can't really boil down to five minutes or so. But you could. You mentioned a great point on something I wanted to just touch up on real quick before we wrap up. The goal of our cats moving is, of course, it's good for them just to move more, but also it's going to help most of our cats because so many are are overweight. What kind of weight loss should you see? Like simplified, like a pound, what, every like three months or something? Or I know too much weight loss too fast can be a sign of illness and illness. 
maybe the same for too much gain too quick, but what's a good rule of thumb? So we're looking for gradual change over time. So we're not looking for cats. If you think about it this way, I don't even want them to lose a pound every two weeks because most cats, even when they're chubby, are less than 20 pounds. And one pound out of 20, that's 5% of their body weight. So we're only looking for one to 2% of their body weight every couple of weeks. And that might only be a tenth of a pound or a quarter of a pound at a time, but that's a really big percentage of body weight, right? And so it's really helpful. It also depends on where they're starting. If your cat is 10 pounds and they're one pound overweight, we're going to get that one pound off over three to six months. If your cat is 15 pounds and they're five pounds overweight, we're going to make that a year long project right? and look for incremental change over time. The more overweight they are, sort of, we're going to make that a slightly more gradual process. And it's going to be both play and diet, you know, because, you know, I think someone said in human, you know, weight loss, exercise is really important. But if you don't also focus on the diet, you're fighting an uphill battle because one packet of M&Ms is 250 calories, but it takes you an hour on a bite to work that off. Same for cats, right? Same with cats. So we are going to get them to move more and slowly decrease their food. And if you've been overfeeding your cat, which it's easy to do, like also forgive yourself. It's easy to do. They're tiny creatures. And what we're used to eating is so much more than what they actually need. When you measure your cat's food, you're going to go, that doesn't look like enough. I do that every day. And yet my cat is fine. Right. So it's important to recognize. Yeah. If, if you have a significant other that says, no, they need more. They need more. That's the problem, too. It is. And so it's important to, when we're talking about these processes, to come up with solutions that meet both the physical needs of your pet and the emotional needs of the owner. Because if I, food is love, okay? I have, Sanders is not very Italian, but I have a little grandmother, Alagata. So I get it. Food is love and I do love to eat. It's important that you need to treat your cat. And if someone wants to give treats, we need to have a plan for that. What treats are they using? And we need to plan that my significant other needs to be able to just give him a tiny little piece of cheese twice a day. And how many calories is that? Can we work that into the plan? Because I'm not going to stop the behavior. So we need to find a plan to work with the behavior, right? Let's be realist. When, when you're trying to consider the health of your cat, you have to be a realistic planner and say, okay, these are the things I can control. Great call out. This is something I can't control. How do I work with it or around it? Or can I at least get them bought into, okay, baby, I know you want to feed the cat. This is what you're allowed to, you know, like I need you to limit it to just this thing, you know, and talk, what is the thing that brings you the most joy? Okay. We're going to build that into the plan so that you will still have joy because the whole point of having pets is that that bond that they give us brings us joy. I mean, I have to tell you, my cat disdains me. We have a love, hate, love, love relationship. He loves to hate me and I love to love him. And I kind of love that he hates me. He also loves me, you know, um, but on his terms, right? It's so much like that. Yes, of course. <laughs> right? But you have to build in the what truly brings our relationship joy? And if, if the health goal of your pet eliminates that thing that brings you joy, why are you doing this? So we have to build a bit of realism into the goal. And the fact of the matter is, if your cat is five pounds overweight, but I can only get him to lose one pound, we have still improved your cat's life. We've increased their longevity. And we've also improved their health. And maybe I don't ever get to the ideal goal, but I've worked on it and I've improved their health, right? And we've made an improvement. And we've gotten them to move, which is important for all kinds of reasons. And we've also 
sustain the joy that they bring us because if this is work we have to make this a fun process because if it's work nobody wants to do that my cat is the fun part of my life so I need to find the fun you know and whether that's hiding catnip in boxes around your house because cats love boxes I have a childhood book that is literally called my cat likes to hide in boxes and it's so true so if that's something your cat loves or bags you know, some, you might get them to move throughout the house by hiding catnip in a bag, in a paper bag somewhere in the, you know, in the house, and then tomorrow putting it in a different room so that they have to travel your house, right? It's just about being, and that kind of brings me joy because sometimes I walk by and I hear the crinkle of the bag and I'm like, oh, he's in there. And I sneak a picture of him and that brings me joy. And it has just need the work of getting him to move rewarding for me, right? You have to remember part of this has to be fun for you too. Exactly. So Dr. Julie, this has been such fabulous information. I love the fact that during our show that we kind of broke the secrecy or or delved into how much we need to have our cats move. So realizing it's not that much. A lot of us that came from dog families think you have to, you know, your dogs hike for an hour. No, that's two yeah. minutes. You're good. So a lot of, I think, cat pet parents are going to feel more relieved and know, have a great idea of exactly what to do. So Dr. Julie, do you have a website? I do not, but I am part of the Heart and Paw family, so people can find me there at heartandpaw.com. I'm part of the Heart and Paw family of veterinarians. So if they are interested in, in reaching out and connecting with questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on Catitude. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. And thank you for doing what you do for people and their cat. Oh, thank you so much. What a great show. I hope you guys really liked it. And, you know, I feel better as a cat pet parent because I'm thinking, you know, my cat, I should exercise on my cat 20, 30 minutes and making them move all over, whatever. No, just two, three minutes, a couple times a day. You know, they're cats. But, you know, some of us just, I don't know where I got the idea, but I'm glad Dr. Julie was able to set it straight. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Julie Sanders, for coming on Catitude today. I want to thank my cat crew, who's going to be getting a lot of exercise coming up, and that's Molly, Jethro, Sammy, Dennis, and Charlotte. And especially grateful thank you to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound amazing. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone listening to Catitude. I appreciate so much. Thank you. And remember, lose the attitude. Have catitude. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com.